I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
may be seated in your bulletin there on the back side of the extra announcement sheet. On the inside is a scripture passage from the book of Philemon. If you be finding that, please, you'll be using that during the message this morning. So go ahead and find that and have that ready if you would. We're excited to have um, some young people coming to share today another crop of pianists. So we're preparing for the future here uh, to play in the days to come. Now, now I got to thinking, though... Who's preparing to play the organ in days to come? How many organists do we have out there? Uh-oh, nobody wants to play the organ. That's a lot more buttons on that, kids. You can really have fun. But anyway, uh, you, get to, you get to run up and down the keys, too. But anyway, 
Uh, today, Lindley Martin is going to be playing God is So Good. Cameron Martin, Oh How I Love Jesus. And Akela Martin, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I looked over last night. I think I was at the kitchen window and I noticed the parking lot was full. And whenever that happens, you're a preacher, you get scared. It's like, what's going on at church? And you think, did I forget something? Am I supposed to be over there? And I, I think there was a piano. Daniel, I told you there was a piano recital here. And she was hoping to come and she remembered at 5.59, I think. And it started at 6. So we missed it. But we're excited about these three coming. Ladies, bless you. And she come and play. It's exciting to see young people preparing their hearts and uh, their skills. I was thinking as they were playing back at the church we pastored before, my wife for a time taught piano lessons and um, she taught them at a school and she also taught them in her home and we had an old upright piano that sat on the wall opposite my study. And so I'm surprised I don't have a nervous twitch whenever kids get up at the piano. They hear it over and over again, uh, especially with some of the students that she would teach. But the funny thing was to hear what the students would ask her. She had one student one time and asked her as she was doing the lessons, looked up at Daniel and said, do you play the piano? And uh, no, I just teach the piano. It seems that we see them so rarely these days. We might call it a forgotten art, a victim of technology, a relic of yesteryear. When we receive one, we take notice. We might even keep it and treasure it for years to come. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a handwritten note. 
handwritten note. In these days of email and text messaging and Facebook messaging and Twittering, a handwritten note is becoming very rare. Sadly, our younger students in our public schools in our state, as I understand, are not even being taught to write in cursive any longer. I think there's a bill in the House that uh, maybe will try to reinstate that. Uh, But I thought, what a shame that they'll never sit down and write a beautiful cursive handwritten note to their grandparent or mom or dad. Beloved, call me old-fashioned, but there's something special about receiving a handwritten note, cursive or not. To know that someone took the time to take out a sheet of paper or a piece of stationery, took a pen and took the time to write out a note to you, to formulate the words, to sign their name, to address it, to seal it, to put it in the mail to you. It means they took the time to remember you. They took the time to think of you. They took the time to write to you. I have a file over in my study uh, just simply entitled Letters. In it, I have some notes that I've received from various people through the years, uh, some of them from some of you. It's a private folder, of course. The notes that were written were not intended for the world. They were intended for me or for me and my family. You know, most of us wouldn't dream of reading someone else's mail. But today we're going to do just that. We're going to read a handwritten note from the Apostle Paul to a man by the name of Philemon. Now, some believe that Paul had no idea that when he was writing this, that it would ever be published for the world to see. It was a private note that he was writing, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's been captured and included in the biblical canon for us. And so, you don't need to feel guilty today for reading somebody else's mail. God God intended us to read this particular note. And I've included a copy in the bulletin today because I want us to read it together. Now here's the plan for this little study. Today, we're going to look at the opening of the letter. And next week, God willing, we'll look at the heart of the letter and the conclusion. So to get the whole story, you've got to be back next week. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to read the entire note today. And you'll notice that I printed it where part of it's in bold and part of it's in regular print. Uh, The portions in bold are yours to read out loud together. So here's what I want us to do. I want us in honor of God's Word to stand one more time. And I want you to take that insert... And I want us just to spend a little bit of time reading these 25 verses, a personal note. And I'll begin reading, and in the bold portions, if you would please read that aloud as we consider Philemon chapter 1. Really, there's only one chapter, but Philemon 1, verses 1 through 25. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus.
I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Have a confidence in your But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this word. Bless it to our hearts and bless this message to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing and reading God's Word today. In all honesty, this letter that we just read is probably the most personal letter that Paul ever wrote. Uh, It's one of the prison epistles. You note right away that it talks about, from the very beginning, that Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And uh, the letter is primarily written to a man by the name of Philemon. And the primary reason that Paul wrote the letter was really a very touchy issue, a very sensitive issue. We're not going to get into all the details about that. I'll give you the broad picture and we'll look more at that next week, God willing. But here's the broad picture of why he's writing. Onesimus was Philemon's slave and Onesimus had run away. And while he was out from under his master, while he was on the run, he came under the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And he was converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a child of God. And now Paul is sending him back to his master, Philemon. And this little letter that we read is really a letter of reference, if you will. It's encouraging and exhorting and challenging Philemon to receive uh, Onesimus back in a kind Christian way. More on that next week, God willing. Today, we have enough with just the first seven verses to keep us busy. Now, looking at a personal letter like this kind of gives us a behind-the-scenes look into the life of this great man, the Apostle Paul. Perhaps when you think of Paul, you think about him as being a great theologian, and he was. Perhaps you think about Paul as the great missionary and church planner, and he was. Perhaps you think of Paul as one of the greatest Christian leaders of all times. And he was. But you see, this little letter that we read reminds us that first of all, Paul was a man. He was a Christian man. 
He lived out His Christianity in a real world and in real life. And He did not live it out alone. In fact, right away as he writes, he mentions Timothy. When you read the letters of the Apostle Paul, it's interesting to note how many people he mentions. Paul was obviously a people person. Go back sometime and look at the last chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 16. And in that chapter, Paul just rattles off name after name after name of people that he's greeting. It reminds us, beloved, that Christianity was not meant to be lived in isolation. That's one of the reasons that God gave us the church. We need each other. We encourage each other. We exhort each other. We fellowship with each other. And and, and it's one of the reasons that He gave it to us. A great blessing. Now, as I looked at Philemon this past week, it was interesting to see how Paul's interpersonal relationships worked. And this builds real nicely upon our Sunday school lesson this morning in our adult classes. Right away, he starts mentioning names. Now, notice, look back at verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Right away, the writer is mentioned. Now, we do it backwards today. We put, dear Bob. Then we write our whole letter. And at the end, we put sincerely or whatever. And we put our names. And so when you get a letter, if it doesn't have a return address, you go to the end and see what's from it. It makes more sense the way they did it, doesn't it? It says, Paul and Timothy, too. And then he begins writing. And he mentions Philemon. Uh, He mentions Aphia. He mentions Archippus. And many scholars believe this is one family being talked about here. The man is named Philemon. They believe that his wife is Aphia. And they believe his son is Archippus. And so you have a... Man, his wife, and his son. We're not 100% certain about that, but many scholars believe that's what you have here. One family. And, And we notice it says, not only is it addressed to them, but it's addressed to the church in your house. Obviously, Philemon was a wealthy man. They had at least one slave. They had a home large enough to accommodate a church. Back then, they didn't have church buildings like ours, and so they met in house churches. How many would you like to host our church at your house next week? No, no, no takers. But back then, that's how it happened. And so you notice the very first few verses here that Paul shows us some great ways to relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there are four things I want to show you in particular this morning from these first seven verses When it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Number one, when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should value them. We should value them. Did you notice what Paul said about Philemon right at the beginning of the letter? He called Philemon our beloved friend and fellow laborer. You see, Paul valued Philemon, first of all, as a person. He was Paul's friend. In fact, based on verse 19 of the letter, we believe that Philemon himself was converted under Paul's ministry. Verse 19 says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. See the handwritten note? I will repay not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. So we believe that Philemon was converted under Paul's ministry. And now Philemon's slave Onesimus is converted under Paul's ministry. And Paul valued his friends. He valued Philemon. Now, do you have some brothers and sisters in Christ, beloved, whom you call a true friend? I hope you do. 
I hope you've got some folks like that in your life. Philemon was a friend of the Apostle Paul and he valued their friendship. But he also valued Philemon as a Christian worker. Did you notice he calls him a fellow laborer? Now we don't know if ever there was a day where Paul and uh, Philemon went out soul winning together. If they literally worked hand in hand, side by side. We don't even know what Philemon's occupation was, but we do know they were fellow laborers in the gospel. It's amazing, beloved, that we as Christians, we as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are fellow laborers together with people all around the globe. All those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we're on the same team. We're striving for the same thing. To get out the gospel and to glorify our God. Look around you today. When you look around, you should not see competition, you should see cooperation. Fellow laborers. And that's the case whether you're a preacher or a plumber. We're all the same team. Our goal is to bring honor and glory to our God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Go to the ends of the earth and take the gospel with you as you're going. And so we're on the same team. We're laboring together. Fact is, you know, the plumber probably runs into more lost people. On a weekly basis, the preacher does. Did you know that? I have to make an effort to go out and be around lost people sometimes. Whereas in your occupation, you may be around them all the time. And so we have here the idea of valuing our brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know what? We're also reminded in this letter that we should appreciate our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look back at verses 4 and 5. Paul says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. When Paul thought of Philemon, he thanked the Lord. He knew him not only personally, but also he heard about what Philemon was doing. He had heard about his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had heard about His love for all the saints. Now, beloved, do you appreciate your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are there some people, when you see them, when you think about them, do you say, Lord, thank You for letting me know that person? Thank You for blessing me by knowing that person. Now, I know there are those that you come across and you see and think, Lord, what were you thinking? That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about those people that you see and you say, Lord, thank you for bringing him into my life. Thank you for bringing her into my life. Thank you for the blessing that they are to me. We appreciate one another. You know, if you just stop and consider it, there's probably a bunch of people that you could praise the Lord for. Thanking him for letting them into your lives. I want to be a person like that, don't you? I want to be a person when people think about me or come across me. They don't say, oh, go the other way. No, they say, thank you, Lord, for bringing... Uh, this person into my life. You know, we're not grateful enough, are we? Let's be honest about it. We're not grateful enough. We're not grateful enough to God. We live our lives and we don't give a thought many times to all the blessings we have and all the blessings we enjoy. We're not grateful as we ought to be. Not only Godward, but also manward. We're not as grateful as we ought to be. I clipped this from the newspaper, little insert magazine back in January of 2012. Listen to what the writer said here. Knowing that you had to work on Thanksgiving of all days, I thought I'd express my gratitude that you have taken the time and made the effort to learn my name and greet me each day in a way that makes me feel like a person instead of a number. 
It's a small thing, but on any given day it can make all the difference. Thank you. About three years ago, I gave a card with these words to a Starbucks barista named Kimber. When I went in the next day, she told me, nearly breaking down, that my note made her realize what she did really counts. It was my 260th thank you of 2008. The year I vowed to send one to a different person every day. I succeeded, though it took more than 365 days. The writer John Kralik says, In 2010, I put out a book about my year of thank yous called A Spiritual Act of Gratitude. He goes on to write to say, My readers showed me how the effects of gratitude continued to ripple out. One woman went in person to deliver her message to a former teacher who read it and wept. She'd been working for 23 years and no one had ever thanked her. We're not grateful as we ought to be, are we? Just to take the time to say thank you. Just to take the time to express gratitude. You see, when Paul thought about Philemon, he says, I thank my God. You you bring thanksgiving to my heart. I praise the Lord for you. For your faith in the Lord Jesus. For your love for other people. You're a blessing to me and I thank my God. You know, glancing through my letters file, I ran across this. It's an older letter. And uh, probably the individual who wrote it may not remember it. If they do, I hope they'll forgive me for sharing this little part. Here's something someone wrote me. Thank you for being my pastor and my preacher. I don't tell you enough, but you really mean a lot to me. And I thank God for you, your family, and your Sunday morning messages. I pray that God will continue to use you. Beloved, that's the kind of letters you hang on to. That's the kind of notes you hang on to and you keep and you treasure. Maybe you have some notes like that in your life. I guess it was really impressed upon me one day when I had written a note to a church member and I went into their home and I saw the note on the side of their fridge. It impressed upon me how powerful a simple note can be. How encouraging a simple note can be. Don't you think, what a blessing when Philemon read this note that the Apostle Paul said, listen, I thank my God. When I think about you and your faith and your love. Beloved, we guess that Philemon hung on to his letter, didn't he? Because we still have it today. And we're reading it today. Paul says, I thank my God for you, Philemon, and your faith and your love. We've got to hasten on. As it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should value one another. We should appreciate one another. Now, third, here's an important one. We should pray for them. We should pray for them. Notice what Paul says about Philemon. What he writes in verse 4. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Wouldn't you love to hear the Apostle Paul pray? I think that the only greater prayer. That's the right way to say that. The only greater prayer in all the world will be the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear him pray. You know the disciples said to the Lord. Not, not Lord teach us to preach or, or teach us to tell stories. Lord teach us to pray. But think about the Apostle Paul. Paul says, listen, Philemon, I pray for you. I make mention of you by name. Now, what did he ask for on Philemon's behalf? Look at verse 6. Here's what he prays for. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing 
which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now I'll be honest, as I studied that verse, verse number 6, I had a hard time understanding what he's talking about. The way it's worded. Let me read it again. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What in the world is he talking about there? Whereas I studied it, I finally got the gist, I believe, of what he's saying there. What is your question? Let me, let me put it this words for you. He's saying basically this. I pray that as you share your faith, as you live out the gospel, it will become more effective. And it will become effective and you'll prosper because you keep pointing back to the source of your faith. And the source of the difference, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, as you acknowledge that all of us because of you. Now keep that in mind and read it again. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Because of Christ, you are who you are, you have what you have, you live the way you live, and I pray that as you share that, you'll become more effective as you point others back to that source, the Lord Jesus Christ. To put it another way, we might quote it this way. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Lane, where's that found? Matthew 5.16. And you know what? I had that in my notes before you even said it today. God orchestrated that. Matthew 5.16. That's what it is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify Him. That's what He's talking about there. Beloved, pray for one another. One of the greatest gifts you can give to other people is prayer. To mention their name in prayer. What a blessing it is to know. I had a Sunday school class that's praying for me right now. I was told that last week. Particularly came and said, listen, I want you to know our Sunday school class is praying for you. Man, what an encouragement that is. Wouldn't you love to be on the Apostle Paul's prayer list? Man alive, to think He's praying for you. But guess what? You're on the Lord Jesus Christ's prayer list. He's making intercession for us right now. He ever lived to make intercession. Hallelujah! The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And we're to pray one for another. Now I told you, this little book of Philemon is a, a packed book, isn't it? Only, only, only the first seven verses were almost filled with Sunday, but there's a fourth thing here. Not only should we value one another and... Appreciate one another and pray for one another. There's a fourth thing. When it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we should encourage them. Everyone needs encouragement. Everyone needs encouragement. I don't care who they are. I understand the late Bishop Fulton Sheen once entered a Greasy Spoon restaurant for breakfast. And when the waitress, groggy and disinterested, took his order... He replied, bring me some ham and eggs and a few kind words. That was his order. She returned 15 minutes later. Maybe you've had a waitress like this. I know I have. I'm usually scared of them. and I just take whatever they give. But anyway, when she returned 15 minutes later, she set the food before me and said, there. He said, what about the kind words? She looked him up and down and replied these words. I'd advise you not to eat them eggs. <laughs> she tried. I Everybody needs encouragement. Some are better at it than other people. But everybody needs encouragement. And I, I'm sure that when Paul wrote to Philemon, if Philemon read this, he was encouraged. He says, look at what he says in the very next verse, verse 7. 
Paul says, for we have great joy and consolation in your love. Watch this. Because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Talk about encouraging. Brother, you brought us much joy. Brother, you brought us much consolation. You've refreshed the hearts of the saints. You know, some people depress the saints. And some people refresh the saints. Which one are you? Don't answer out loud. Which one are you? Are you a depressor or a refresher? Which one describes your life? You see, Philemon lived out his faith. It was real. His his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His love for the Lord. His love for other people. And beloved, this letter is real, plain, and practical today. When it comes to our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, let's value each other. What a great thing it is to be a part of this family of God. To have brothers and sisters not only here, but all around the world. You ever met a Christian somewhere and you kind of sense they're a Christian and you talk and you find out, yeah, they're a brother and sister in Christ. We should value each other. We should appreciate each other. We're not perfect. We have our flaws. We have our problems. But you appreciate the part that your brothers and sisters play in your life. We should pray for one another. Lift up one another in name. And finally, we should encourage one another. Kind words, encouraging words, helping one another, lifting up one another. Let's do our very best to refresh the saints and to bring glory to our God. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow today in your presence. Lord, I thank you for this little letter that you saw fit to include in the Bible. I thank you for how it lets us look kind of behind the scenes of the Apostle Paul and Philemon. I thank you for the challenge that it is to us today to be one who refreshes the saints. One who blesses our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, may we not take for granted these good gifts that you've given us and the people you placed around us. Now, Father, I pray today that you would work in hearts and lives, and I pray that if anyone's here and is not a part of the family of God, they'd never repented of their sin and placed their faith in the Lord Jesus and become a member of this family. That this would be the time, as your Holy Spirit convicts them, that they would turn from their sin and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to live out the lessons that you've given to us today, to value, to appreciate, to pray, and to encourage. Help us as we continue studying this little book, that you'd open our eyes and help us to see wonderful things that would change us and transform us and make us more like the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the prayers being prayed on our behalf, O God, by the Lord Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for those who pray for us, our brothers and sisters in Christ. May you help us to encourage one another and live out our faith as Paul and Philemon did. Bless this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Number 390 is our closing hymn. The words may be a little bit different.
They fit nicely with our message, but the tune you'll recognize as we begin singing, We Are Called to Be God's People, 390. And today, if you've never been saved, you're not a part of the family of God, we'd invite you to come. And as you come, I'll simply place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you, and they'll take a Bible and share the gospel with you. Perhaps you have a burden upon your heart, or maybe God spoke to you in a special way today, and you'd like to come and pray. The altar's open, we'd invite you to come. 390, let's stand and sing. You come. It's God leads 390.